Hello and welcome to While You Were Steeping, a curatorial tea and culture podcast. I'm Michael Mandelios. And I'm Hayden Rogers. And this is our final episode for our first season. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride so far. I know. What episode number is this? 12? This is 11. This is episode 11. 11. And it's wild that that we've done all of this in... In this time, time flies when you're spilling tea. Yeah, it does. I can't believe, like, because that's, you know, representative of 11 weeks, which I'm like, no, we haven't spent one-fifth of a year doing this, have we? <laughs> <laughs> it really, yeah, it's wild, hey, especially, I think, and we started what, we started planning and every and whatnot back in early July or early, no, early June, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, we locked it in. Yeah, crazy stuff. Like really early in the year. Anyway, so for today's episode, we're going to jump straight into the modern phenomenon of tea. So how tea has, how how it's shaped and evolved and, and done all kinds of wacky and wonderful things in the last maybe 10, 20, 30 years uh, at the turn of the millennium. Modernity, if you will. Uh- <laughs> Post-modernity. So pull up a cup of tea and let's get started. Yes. So, so where shall we start? Well, as usual, I am very specifically <laughs> centered on just the history and uh, phenomenon of bubble tea this week. Um, so if you have anything that's more general, <laughs> we can start there. I have gone quite general as always. I do. I do love, love a broad sweeping history. So, um, I jumped right into some information on how tea has been progressing in the last little while as a well as a market product, basically. Um, so I, I went looking into uh, how it became popular and massively affordable in supermarkets, and also I looked at the the sale of bottled iced tea, which is a hugely consumed product. Um, and also I looked into the booming of the health and wellness industry. And it all, unsurprisingly, kind of links together. So most of our listeners will probably already have clued on to the fact that a lot of the businesses that we've been getting our product from are kind of smaller, more artisan tea suppliers. But a lot of them have been around for quite a while and a lot of them have been doing much better with their business or, or they've really started to explode in the last maybe 10 years or five years or even 20 years, like Lisa's business, which about, uh, when did she say it? it was the early, early to mid two thousands that she moved mm, into her mm. warehouse and her, and her tea business really started to explode. And interestingly, all roads in Australia lead back to T2. Um, so <laughs> I, I went, I went to look at the popularity of T2 and how massively that had exploded. And I noticed that they actually were also founded in the late 90s. So 1996 was when their first store opened in Fitzroy in Melbourne. And then they closed it about a year later. And then um, they expanded and reopened and um, went into Sydney in 1999. Now, what's really interesting is it wasn't until 2014 that they opened stores around the world. So 2014, 
um, was when things really, really started to boom for T2. They opened their first three stores in the UK um, and also one in New York. And then by 2015, so the next year, they had over 70 stores worldwide. And by 2018, they had 96 stores in and so they had stores in uh scotland in america in singapore and heaps all around australia and new zealand Uh, and that i think is really indicative of how far the health and wellness trend has extended throughout the market of pretty much all products all around the world but especially for tea so what year did we graduate from university because that's when I started working at T2, which was very soon after they had just expanded internationally. That's right. So 2016 was when we finished uni at the end of 2016. So you would have started um, in 2017, which was when they started expanding into Scotland and Singapore. And they'd already had stores in the US by that point, but that was when they started to become really massive there. Yeah. Well, I started Christmas 2016. So. Uh, Well, there you go. Um, yeah, and also I wouldn't be surprised, I don't know if you're about to say this, but if the international expansion was directly linked to the Unilever group buying T2? That's right. So when, when Unilever uh, bought the following year, so the year after Unilever bought T2 was when they expanded to the UK and to the US. So definitely um, a direct byproduct there. And what's really interesting to me about that is the trend in artisan products and artisan craft, because even though now you and I think of T2 as a massive business, it's certainly still very far removed from tea bag tea in the supermarkets, you know, $4 for a box of 20 bags. That's, you know, um, yeah, T2 is still so far removed from that. And basically what's really interesting is that in 2018, uh, specialty food sales around the world hit an all-time high of over $140 billion. That's according to the Specialty Food Association. So they grew 10%, basically 9.8% in two years, which is massive for pretty much any market. And a study showed that over 80% of millennials were purchasing artisan food, um, which, of course, mm-hmm. made that the biggest percentage for any generation. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of evidence and a lot of research that suggests that millennials are pretty much <laughs> directly behind the massive growth in not only health and wellness as a business, but also artisan products and specialized uh, craft products. Hipsters. Hipsters, exactly. Which kind of leads us to all of the businesses that we're seeing now, independent tea providers, independent tea growers, and and a real change in what people are accepting as being good quality product as well. I think I think we've seen that pretty much all around the world on on every scale. Mm. Similarly, wellness tourism um was was absolutely huge. So the Global Wellness Institute says that Uh, As of 2017, wellness tourism was a $639 billion market and projected to grow by almost another third to reach $920 billion by 2022. So, you know, over five years, they they were expecting that that industry would grow by a third, which is just nuts because the industry's already grown by 6.5% per year in the years 2015, 2016, and 2017, which is, again, kind of wild. Yeah, that's huge. 
So speaking of emerging health and wellness trends and emerging businesses that have come out of uh, tea, what can you tell me about what you went a-looking for? Oh, uh, well, I went on a spiral (laughs) into the internet uh, looking for information on bubble tea, uh, that much-to-love drink. So in case you haven't had bubble tea before, it is, you, you've probably seen it. I don't think you could have escaped bubble tea. It's pretty much a worldwide phenomenon. Um, it's like a, usually, it doesn't have to be, but usually like milky tea drink uh, with little tapioca balls in the bottom, in case you're wondering what those were made out of. It's tapioca. The, the dark color usually comes from like the brown sugar and things uh, in it. You can get different colors now, different jellies. You can get non-milky tea with all different flavors. Um, but bubble tea sort of, started there's there's of course conflicting information oh, of course about there is. who invented bubble tea but uh it's definitely uh invented in the 80s late 80s in taiwan so it's taiwanese in origin in fact within taiwan bubble tea is like an icon now um that's earlier than i would have expected was did that surprise you i know well it did because because bubble tea hasn't been popular like globally, not even like in, I don't even think like in Singapore, it was popular until like the 2000s, like 2001. Um, and similarly uh, in California about the same time, which is where it's called boba in California. Um, Weird. Boba? Yeah. I don't know. Boba. Okay. Never heard of it. Yeah. Just boba. Um, well, you have. It's bubble tea. <laughs> and, yeah, no, it's like a big thing for, like, Chinese-Americans, apparently, is, is like, bubble tea culture there. Um, so, yeah, but as a nation in Taiwan, there were actually um, calls for it to be, like, I don't know, like, a, an emblem, an alternative <gasps> cover, an alternative cover for the a country's passport. <laughs> like, no way. Yeah, it was literally suggested. <laughs> So, bubble tea, how did it begin? Well, the term bubble tea actually, apparently, was not because of the pearls initially. So, oh. apparently, elementary school children, um, they would look forward to buying a refreshing cup of tea after school. And so they would be competing, like, uh, little pop-up stands that would set up outside of schools and compete for, like, the children's attention. And, like, to do that, they would put interesting flavors and things into it. Um, Someone started mixing fruit flavors in um, and they would shake the tea up and that would create bubbles in the tea. And that's why it was called bubble tea. But yeah, it was sort of popularized. Like I think the cold tea was popularized sort of in elementary school children, but potentially was brought into Taiwan by someone who claims to have invented actual bubble tea. So later on, when the tapioca pearls uh, started being added to drinks and was like a trend, it was just also referred to as bubble tea, sort of, because you'd still shake it up and everything, so you'd have bubbles on top and you'd have the bubbles at the bottom. So it was just sort of like combined into that idea and was probably still served to these kids after school because it was trendy and they wanted it. That's wild. Um, The two claims, there's two main claims to inventing bubble tea. A claim uh, to fame, if you will. <laughs> if you will. So the first comes from the Hanlin Tea Room of Tainan in Taiwan. 
Um, they claim it was invented in 1986 when the tea house owner was inspired by white tapioca balls that she saw in the night markets and then made a tea using the tapioca balls and resulting in pearl tea. Pretty straightforward. Uh, however, there is another tea room in Taichung in Taiwan. Uh, and the founder there began serving cold Chinese tea when he went to visit Japan and saw they were serving cold coffee and thought, you know what, I'm going to serve cold tea, um, which apparently became quite a big thing. And in this other account about the school children like, and the cold tea, they were like, it was popularised, like cold tea was brought over by this person. Ah. So at this particular tea house that served cold tea, they were having a like business meeting one day and the product development manager was eating something called Fen Yuan, which is like a dessert of tapioca balls. And they had like a pitcher of iced tea on the table. And apparently she just randomly tips her dessert into the drink and serves it. And they're like, yes, yes, I think so. And they start serving it at the restaurant, which is already, you know, becoming very popular and expanding because of the cold tea. And as a result, bubble tea is born and the trend starts. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And it's one of those stories that's like, you don't know if you believe it. I'm, I, I have yeah. questions. But there was, so two accounts said that that one was sort of the more true. Oh, um, okay. But there was conflicting dates on it. So oh. uh, one said 80, it was in 88 that she did that. And another, which is like very similar timing to the first one. And then other said in 83, which is very early. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, maybe they just stole it from some poor like market stall or something anyway. And now bubble tea is of course worldwide. Uh, so many like different chains that serve like exclusively bubble tea. I'm sure. You've all seen them around. And apparently during lockdown in Singapore, there was a huge surge in like collaborations with bubble tea stores and restaurants and things to get bubble tea to people because they were just obsessed with it. And interestingly, the bubble tea emoji has been accepted as part of the Unicode standard of emojis and will be issued this year. Ah, well, there you go. Look at that. How very topical. Yes, well, it gets more topical, but we'll get to that. What else do you have to tell me? Well, I guess while we're on the subject of sweetened and highly popular teas, I feel like we should talk about bottled iced tea. Um, bottled iced tea has been a massive, massive thing for quite a while now. So, of course, iced tea itself, we could do a whole episode on, and we're, I'm going to very quickly skim over the history of that because we'll come back to it one day. Uh, so we know that iced tea is the better part of over 100 years old, um, but only just. So uh, in the late 1800s, uh, we we believe that um, the first recipe that documented iced tea was, was recorded. And then in 1904 at the World's Fair in St. Louis, that was when iced tea suddenly became hugely popular because of the... Uh, because it was hosted in summer, and so one of these stalls went, okay, well, hang, hang on, how about we sell cold tea? Mm. Um, and, and thus iced tea started to boom. But something that's really interesting to me is that iced tea now, especially as you can buy it in what they call RTD, which is ready-to-drink 
you know, in a bottle like you'd find in the supermarket. So in Australia and the UK, our leading brand is uh, Lipton. And of course, if you're in the States, chances are you drink Snapple. Snapple. Those products. Snapple. Um, <laughs> you're all welcome. Those products don't really actually contain very much tea or really any tea at all. So I've brought up the ingredients list <laughs> on the bottle of... Great. Oh, I can't wait. On a bottle of Lipton <laughs> iced tea. So this is the peach iced tea that you can buy in the supermarket, 500 mils. That's milliliters for, for our American friends. Um, so <laughs> Convert the f- to the metric system. <laughs> <laughs> so the first ingredient is water. The second ingredient is sugar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The third ingredient is tea extract, four and a half percent. Extract. And then you've got peach, peach juice, flavors, which contain a wheat derivative, food acids, 330, 331, and 296, antioxidant, 300, and natural sweetener, 960. So not only is sugar the second <laughs> highest ingredient, but then there's further natural sweetener in there as well. And the peach juice. Now, I am impressed that it actually is authentic peach juice and not yeah, a synthetic peach flavouring. I was too. That's probably that a recent thing. When there was me. that trend of like cordials becoming naturally flavoured. <laughs> Absolutely. But tea extract at four and a half percent of the mixture really stuck out to me, especially the fact that it's an extract and that it's not even, you know, there's no they haven't just poured tea into the mixture. They had mm. to they had to make some kind of concentrate and then extract it. I thought that was really interesting. So um just something to be aware of when you're buying your <laughs> your ready to drink off the shelf. But Something that I thought was really interesting is that those iced tea, those bottled iced tea products massively dominate the market in America. Um, So they make currently, as of 2018, they made up 53%. What? Yes. As of 2018, they made up 53% of the US market for tea. Wow, even though they don't contain tea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 4% tea, 53% of the market. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new slogan. Um, <laughs> and it's the only tea category in as of 2018 to increase in both volume and value. So they sold roughly $11 billion worth of ready-to-drink teas in the US market, while all other tea products have started to show a decline in some way, shape, or form. So I Ooh. thought that was really interesting. So loose leaf tea, um, tea bags, tea pods, etc., have all declined, but ready to drink iced tea products and other products like that. Also, I think that includes like kombucha as well, because it's again it comes ready oh, okay. in a bottle, um, which isn't surprising because that then brings us back to basically we've kind of got shifting market dynamics in two opposite directions. So you've got a market that's valuing health and valuing artisanal products, but then you've also got, especially in the US, these (laughs) sugary pre-mixed drinks that barely even resemble tea absolutely dominating the market. Mm. Another study, now admittedly this is a bit outdated, this is as of 2008, so 12 years ago, but another study showed that um, iced tea made up 80% of the sorry 85% of the market in the US 
um, as an alternative to soft drinks. And that's partly got a lot to do with the fact that after that World's Fair, which we talked about, iced tea became a really, really, really massive thing in the south of the US, which, again, isn't surprising because it gets really hot in a lot of those states. (laughs) Yeah. While we're at it, I might quickly talk about the fact that um, I was really expecting to see a massive decline in tea bag sales and basically any all kinds of mass manufactured tea. Mm. But what kind of stuck out to me was that they actually haven't struggled anywhere near as much as I thought they would. They've just had to adapt. So Twinings just recently mm. overtook a much more kind of, um, how do I say this, cheap <laughs> brand <laughs> in the UK called PG Tips um, or PG Ideas mm. uh, is is another kind of sub sub branch. And PG Tips is like a really commodity tea. You know, it's cheap. It's um, commodity, it's if you will. A commodity. It's <laughs> standard. So, you know, your standard black teas, your standard Yorkshire teas, etc. Um, and yeah, it's really, really struggled. Whereas Twinings has actually overtaken PG Tips for the first time in a really, really long time at the end of 2019. And the reason that Twinings did so well was they adapted into the market of what we call purpose teas. Um, So think like sleep teas, detox teas, immunities, um, you know, turmeric, (laughs) matcha, that kind of thing. So because Twinings went adaptable and and went into the botanical market, they've actually managed to keep their stranglehold on the the mass manufactured supermarket um, area of the industry, which again, kind of surprised me. So something that we've seen from, and this is from World Tea News, which I'm so glad is a website that exists, <laughs> is that as of the end of 2019, botanical products were booming. So sp- again, sparkling turmeric, ginger lemonade, kombucha, that kind of thing. Functional teas. So as we said, so that's what I meant when I said purpose teas, functional teas um, as, as a mainstream niche that are kind of distinct from medicinals. And then, of course, artisan whole leaf teas, which brings us back to a lot of the providers that we've been resourced from and and T2 and things like that as well, um, especially because a lot of those artisan brands have now been able to get credentials like, you know, single origin or um, organic or, you know, certified organic, those kinds of mm. things, which are massive in the industry at the moment because of the health and wellness trend. Um, but nonetheless... Still, ready-to-drink teas led all tea categories around the world, um, which, yeah, I just think is fascinating. <laughs> you can't beat convenience. Yeah, and it, well, convenience and, again, also, you know, our obsession with sugar. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's really fascinating <laughs> yeah. how completely at odds those two market trends are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of uh, most of what stuck out to me and most most of where I threw my my research well let's let's reel it on back to bubble tea. <laughs> circling back um because recently <laughs> recently uh milk tea milky teas bubble teas in southeast asia has been a very hot topic this oh. year the subject of yet another political <gasps> conflict yay bum 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 yeah so i feel very um I don't know, unaware that I have no idea that this is literally currently going mm. on. Um, 
But uh, there is such a thing called the Milk Tea Alliance. What is the Milk Tea Alliance? I'm glad you asked, Michael. Uh, It is a, a term used to describe an online democratic solidarity movement made up of, get this, netizens. I don't know, is this a term now? Netizens? I love oh my it. God. <laughs> From Thailand, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Um, it originally started as an internet meme, and it arose in response to increased presence of Chinese trolls or, like, Chinese nationalist commentators on social media um, and has evolved into a dynamic cross-national protest movement pushing for democracy and human rights in Southeast Asia. Amazing. So there's milk tea is kind of actually seen as this like symbol of anti-China solidarity in Southeast Asia. No way. Because, uh, you know, many of these Southeast Asian countries make different, their own variety of milky tea. But in China, they don't serve tea with milk. Um, so in Taiwan, it's bubble tea. In Hong Kong, it's just like the Hong Kong style milk tea. And then there's Thai tea, which is again a milky tea. And they're all local variations that are very similar things, but like they're all the, like their symbol. They're all milk teas, and they're all like separatist. Oh, I love this! I love this so much. <laughs> yes. So, uh, the history of the Milk Tea Alliance. So this year in April. So this is when this all started about the time coronavirus lockdowns and everything began. Wild. So there's a Thai actor. Um, I'm going to absolutely butcher his name. Um, Vaikirawat Chiva Ari, but also nicknamed Bright. And he was on a TV drama called Together, which was popular in China. And he reposted an image on Twitter, which listed Hong Kong as a country. Uh, and then as a result, Chinese nationalist internet commentators started like attacking him and commenting all over it and were like, boycott this show. So he apologized, took it down, but then they like went and hunted for more dirt on his girlfriend's um, Instagram. And this, for the record, is why the internet is the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, and found a post that she had made, which insinuated that Taiwan was an independent country. Um, and so the attacks were, like, started again. Which it is. Which it is. Um, so it turned into this, like, fierce battle between... Thai netizens and the Chinese embassy on like Twitter and things, which, you know, turned from, you know, defense of this actor and his posts to becoming like a general anti-China, anti-communist sentiment. That's amazing. They even have a hashtag or I don't know if it's still active, but N-N-E-V-V-Y. Don't know what that means, but that was their hashtag. Um, and it became like part of an anti-authoritarian platform. So then uh, users from Taiwan and Hong Kong started joining these Thai people and the Telegraph called it a rare moment of regional solidarity. And the Milk Tea Alliance has been um, described as Asia's volunteer army rising up against China internet trolls. This is amazing. Yeah, right? So these internet trolls, there's actually a group called the 50 Cent Party or the 50 Cent Army, which is a colloquial term for internet commentators who are hired by authorities of the People's Republic of China to attempt to <gasps> manipulate public opinion to the benefit of the Chinese Communist Party. That's amazing. Oh, China. <laughs> yeah. 
So the name comes from the idea that uh, it's not confirmed, but the idea that they were like these commentators were paid zero point five U one to post every post for <laughs> for that they uh, made that was sort of like supporting the Chinese government. That's wild. And so, meanwhile, milk tea has just become this symbol of like this secret, this secret code, secret symbol of of basically revolutionaries. Yeah, well, I mean, not even necessarily secret. Like, it's very, very publicly. Um, in fact, it's what they've used to, uh, you know, involve other countries. So, little did I know that there, this year there have been literal military skirmishes between China and India on the borders. Um, this year, <laughs> I'm like, how did I not know this? Um, which like has encouraged now India to join the Milk Tea Alliance. Um, oh my God, amazing. And they use masala chai as their milk tea drink because that oh. is a milky variation of tea. Oh God, <laughs> I love this. Have you ever watched Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj? No. So Hassan Minaj uh, has a show on Netflix called Patriot Act. It's great. And in every episode, he tackles some kind of uh, large looming issue with either a business or a political issue or, or some some kind of um, basically dodgy or shady practice that needs to be discussed and, and exposed. And there's an episode in season two where he talks about how crafty Chinese citizens have gotten at evading detection on social media and using secret codes and using secret hashtags mm. and all these kinds of things, secret symbols and whatnot, um, to basically always keep one one step ahead of the government who are forever trying to censor them. Um, and so that this is fascinating to me because I'm just loving that, you know, milk tea is becoming a part of a part of this movement. <laughs> yeah. Well, also like there's the a group called Little Pink, which is like a colloquial term again, called Little Pink, which I think is a reference to like communist red, um, which is for like young Chinese nationalists on the internet. Um, it's like a group term for them. But um, yeah, so Australia has also recently been inducted into the Milk Tea Alliance um, because of that conflict we had with China about them like threatening to block trade with us. Mm-hmm. Um so Australia called for an investigation into the WHO, World Health Organization's botched handling of coronavirus. Right. And so China was like, we'll boycott you, Australia. And so then the Milk Tea Alliance was like, join us, Australia. <laughs> um, except we don't have a cultural milk tea drink, apart from putting milk into like British tea, which is a bit sad. So even sadder, our milk tea image oh, no. is Aptamil. You've never heard of Aptamil? Me either. No. So I looked it up. What is it? Aptamil is, is baby formula. Oh, get out. But it's not by an Australian company. It's owned by Danone, the French food company. Get out. I hate all of this. This is terrible. <laughs> so um, as recent as August, which we were just in, um, there have been renewed democracy Pro, uh, pro-democracy protests in Thailand and it's its largest anti-government protest since the 2014 military coup and drew support and solidarity from Taiwanese and Hong Kongers like Joshua Wong who is a um, politician in Hong Kong um, and the hashtag Milk Tea Alliance is now heavily used by protesters 
That's amazing. I love this. I love that once again, our research started somewhere and ended up somewhere completely different. I also love that once again, tea is like the face of a international conflict. Yes, (laughs) this is amazing. This is, see, this is why we do what we do. Yes, in in like, you know, however many years time when someone's making a tea podcast, they'll be like, well, we'll we'll start with the the usual tea conflicts. We'll start with, you know, the Boston Tea Party, uh, the Opium Wars and the Milk Tea Alliance, you know? Wild. Well, I think at this point we should probably take a quick break and come back with some tea. Yes, please. Okay, so we've got four teas to round out the end of this season. Isn't that wild? And they're all from our lovely friends at teas.com.au, which we have thoroughly enjoyed the selection of. I'm very sad to be saying goodbye to teas.com.au. I'm secretly hoping that maybe we can ask them back at some point in season two or three. I agree. I think, you know. Maybe they'll just become our permanent tea sponsors. <laughs> Look, that would be lovely. Wouldn't wouldn't say no. If they want to send us everything that they have, I would not say no. Just also like really interested to try all these teas. I think there's like a really nice variety of different things. Yeah, good solid cross range here. All right. Uh, well, what shall we start with, Hayden? Well, I was sort of thinking we could try and like think of this as a bit of a meal, you know, because we have some sort of... Oh, how fun. So perhaps we could start with the Jasmine Dragon Pearl. Yes, that's a very entree kind appetizer. of appetizer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, appetizer for our friends in this in the states. <laughs> um, okay, so this is actually um, we've we've tried Jasmine Dragon Pearls on the show before um, from Elmstock, but these are made with white tea, and I can't remember if Elmstock was just green tea. I feel like they were. Because I, I feel like jasmine dragon pearls are usually uh, a green tea thing. You're right. They were a green tea. That's right. So this is kind of like a little treat. I, was, I wasn't expecting. I sort of read the packet. I was like, oh, white tea. Um, and mm. as such, they've um, called for tepid hot water, which is probably maybe less than, um, maybe less than 80 degrees, maybe more like 70. What's mm. wrong, Michael? <laughs> What temperature did you, wrong. did you receive yours at, Michael? I think I may have done about 80. Okay. Well, it should be fine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just they're, of course, rolled up into their beautiful little ball shapes, pearl shapes, I should say. It's pretty much as simple as that. In the interest of fair competition, I used exactly six pearls, just as I did with Elmstock. Oh, I do not know how many I used with Elmstock, so I... Didn't even think of that. How about we give it a go? What does it smell like? It smells like jasmine. Tea. Oh yeah, it smells smells like a good solid jasmine. All right, looks so yeah. pretty. My um my little pearls haven't actually unfolded fully yet because the water's so cool. I love that you leave yours in. I always take mine out. All right, here we go. It was more just because I I don't know why I left them in. <laughs> And mine is still mm. very hot. 
Mine is tepid. <laughs> mm. Tasty. Lovely. I remember the first time I tried jasmine tea, I was not sold. It was I it was because I watched Avatar and I was like <laughs> this so this was like, you know, many moons ago. To clarify, not the James Cameron film Avatar, but the anime series Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. And of course, you know, Uncle Iroh loves his tea. They talk about jasmine tea in the show a lot. And I was like, I'm going to have jasmine tea and I'm going to love it. And I tried it and I was just like, it's a no from Hayden. But, you uh-huh. know, I was like a teenager or like a tween even. So nowadays I love it. Yeah, I think my first jasmine experience was also in my teens. I think possibly at a yum cha restaurant or something like that. It's, mm. um, this is good. I... It's definitely not my favourite contender from from TZAU. Um and I actually have to say I think the Elmstock I think the Elmstock Jasmine Pearls probably win it for me if I'm if I were making comparisons. Mm. But with all of that said, it's a good jasmine tea. It's nice. It does the job. Well you've been drinking the Elmstock Pearls, haven't you? More regularly. Yeah, I, I still have a little bit of those left over and I've been I've been rationing them, but I've had them probably once a week or so because I love them so much. So I haven't really had Jasmine Pearls since that episode. So like to me, I couldn't tell you what the, I couldn't compare, but I think this is a really solid Jasmine tea. Um, it absolutely is. I'm, I'm definitely not debating that. I just it. I think we've had better offerings from TZAU before. And I think we've got better ones still to come. Well, speaking of which, shall we move on to the main course? La Rosa. Oh, I'm very excited about this. I love me rose petals in a tea. (laughs) Yes, and we have two rose petal teas today. So this one, La Rosa, is um, a black tea. So it's going to be kind of like black rose, I imagine, um, that Mm -hmm. Michael used to drink vehemently (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so it's literally just black tea rose and flavor that is something i will say about teas i use i love their teas but they do have like anonymous flavor on a lot of the teas yeah and i wish i wish that they would would tell us what those anonymous flavors are Mm. so as a black tea we are boiling water two to three minutes um and yeah it smells like rosy goodness I'm very excited. And it's a very fine, the tea itself is very fine as well. And oh, it just smells, yeah, it smells great. All right. Can we? Can we please? We, can. we, we shall. Oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. That's what I was looking for. Mm. Definitely getting the rose, which was, I mm-hmm. can't remember what tea we tried recently that had rose in it. And I was like, hmm. Not getting it, but then, yeah, I can really taste it in this. Okay, this is going to sound crazy. I swear mine has gotten darker since I took the infuser out. Actually? I don't really know how that's possible, but I remember maybe... taking it out and thinking, oh, wow, it's quite light in I colour. had the it's... exact same thought. And now I'm looking at it and it looks much more like a traditional dark tea and I'm I'm confused as to how that's happened. I would like some science. Maybe oxidization? Hmm. That usually does it. Or, yeah. I don't know. I'm very confused, but mm, yeah. yum. This is lovely. It's 
It is subtle, though, in terms of the black. Like, the black tea isn't a particularly strong flavour in here. Yeah, I feel like, well, because it is sort of like maybe a half strength, you know, half the mm-hmm. teaspoon is rose petals, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But uh, I actually don't mind it because it also cuts out the bitterness of that you get with black tea if you don't put, like, sweetening and things in it. So, um, yeah, it's actually, like, sort of makes it a very sort of palatable black tea. Okay, well, I'm going to add my sugar and my milk in. Me too. I don't know. I just feel like I'm doing it, but I feel a bit funny about trying a rose tea with milk. I don't know. Do you have does any it... strong feelings about that? I, yeah, I'm curious. It doesn't, it doesn't say not to. It doesn't say that you should. I, I am also curious. I just, being a black tea, you know, I go... Might as well. Yeah. Like, you'd, you'd think it would work. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, sweetening can only help things. <laughs> so. right, here we go. Da, da, da. Ooh, okay. It's, it's going a kind of greyish-brown colour, so I can't say that it looks as appealing as it did a minute ago. But let's find out. <laughs> Who knows? It still looks like tea, of course. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not like it's gone to turn into grey sludge or something. Um, okay. Hmm. It's it's good. It's fine. It. I think it's better without the milk. I think you're right. I agree. I think. I mean, I'm not really. I didn't, I've lost the rose. Yeah, I think that I just taste like sweet tea now. Like it's. Hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, this now just tastes like pretty much any other black tea with milk and sugar. Like, I feel like I can still taste the rose because it's on my palate from when I wasn't having milk and yeah, sugar. for sure. Yeah. I kind of wish I could take the milk out so that I could try it without the milk again. But yeah. that's okay. Yeah. That was, that's lovely. I, yeah, I would drink that black, but that's a, that's a strong, strong favorite for me. I'm a big fan of that one. Of course you are. Yeah. Who's surprised? Nobody. <laughs> What's the next course? So... Up next, we have a tea very aptly named after dinner. <laughs> it is a hey. it is a oolong tea, so I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> and again, it, it uh, is paired very nicely with our dinner because it has rose in it. So it's an oolong with peppermint and rose. I am really interested in this one because all the oolongs we've had have been like creamy flavors. Um, and, you know, toasty flavours, whereas this is like a, f- a fresh, like, peppermint and rose mix, like a very, mm. you know, herbal, springy sort of thing, which I, yeah, I'm really interested to see what it's going to be like. Because we are an oolong, it's just bo- boiling water, uh, three minutes steeping time, and, of course, the oolong is balled up into little cute little pellets, the beautiful rose petals. You'll, of course, be able to see all of these teas on our Instagram and Facebook. Okay, here we go. Okay. Oh, smell that peppermint. Mm. Yep. Mm. <gasps> Ooh. It's very peppermint, but like the oolong, it's like toasty. It's the toasty thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I get the rose. I. It's funny because I'm not, I really don't get the rose. Just like a little, like it's, I'm not getting a lot, but it's there. I'm just like, 
it's just full peppermint with like a side of toast to me. <laughs> like, look, the peppermint is is the strongest part for sure. Um, it's like an after dinner. It's lovely. It's like, oh my goodness, maybe it's supposed to be like an after dinner mint because it has like the biscuity oolong and like the, yeah. the peppermint cream. Why do you think they called it after dinner, Hayden? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I just got on to that one. So, <laughs> thank you for joining us. <laughs> I think it's a it's good. Definitely not my favorite oolong, but I think it's like tasty and different for a peppermint tea. For sure. Yeah, I was going to say I wouldn't even really categorize it or compete it with the oolongs. I'd put it. I'd put it up against the other t- mint teas. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it's nice. I kind of do miss the 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 unapologetic mintiness of the the rabbit hole native mint. Mm. That one was just like bam, mint, and nothing <laughs> but it. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like if you're going to go for mint, you might as well go hardcore. You know. But this is this is really nice. It's very again. It's exactly the kind of thing that you'd have to wind down. I could see myself having this with like a book. Totally. I just heard what I said, and I said have it with a book. And now I'm like, <laughs> just eat a book I, as well. Eating a book, yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I just feel like uh, the for an oolong, it's not you know, it's not my preference of oolong. Now that yeah, I'm an oolong, and, and you aficionado. have strong feelings, I do. strong feelings about an oolong. Well then, I guess that brings us to the relax tea. Relaxatox. What was that? Is what's that from? Is it relaxatox? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's a drag race reference. How embarrassing. Okay, moving on. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So relax tea. <laughs> relax tea smells and basically is uh, potpourri. Um. So it is red rose petal. Very romantic. So another rose, a third rose. I, f- I forgot about mm. that. So this is for us, like, getting ready for to go to bed. We have red rose petal. We have candula or marigold blossom. And we have peppermint again. So it's going to be pretty similar. Um, and linden, which is lime blossom. So yes. I'm, I'm intrigued. It's gorgeous. You should go definitely check this one out. Um, it looks like a yeah. It looks stunning. Yeah, it's hey. like a little floral garden. Um, yeah, uh, it's a herbal, completely herbal tea. So, um, this suggests three minutes with boiling water, but you can just steep it for hours. Um, why not? I say smells. I can actually smell the lime in the in the scent. Oh, you can too. Yes, I wouldn't have clocked that, but you're totally right. <laughs> Okay. Shall we? Let's shall. Oh. Oh. I love this. It's, yeah, it's surprisingly quite limey. Quite limey, quite minty. But definitely not like a peppermint tea at all. Which usually is the no. risk with like a peppermint tea. It's like, oh, it's just peppermint, you know, like with this, the oolong yeah, yeah. we just tried. But this is like peppermint is used as like a little accent. Based on the smell, though, I was expecting the peppermint to be less present than it is. Right. 
like when I smelled it, I, I smelled, oh, I smelled the rose. I smelled the marigold, whereas I'm, I am getting a fair bit of mint. Um, but it's, mm. I, it's funny because again, I'm not getting that much mint. Right. Maybe it's because we just, I don't know, had, that mm. doesn't make sense. I'd be able to taste more mint if we just had a mint tea. I think it's nice. It's it's sort of also a bit. It's like what we said last week. A bit heavier, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is quite. It, it's still very light. Definitely not as heavy as that tea last week. But um, it does have that sort of like, I guess, more full flavor as opposed to being you know peppermint, which is really high on the palate and in your sinuses. Whereas this is like has something at the back of your throat as well. Yes. What I love about this is I could see myself like having this in the bath. I think this. Oh, this seems okay. like a really yeah. You know, I'd actually love it as a, like something you could put in the bath to like make the bath smell like this. That would be great. I mean, I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't. You'd just have to use a fair bit. That's true. You just that's a good, that's a new thing. We're gonna start it. Just <laughs> ba- 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 <laughs> <laughs> I killed you. <laughs> Bathing in tea. Yes, yes, bathing in tea. I mean, <laughs> Lisa, she told us she bathed her children in tea. And oh yeah, true. And um, no, I think just cast some uh, some loose leaf tea in your bath. Uh, it will smell delicious. You could drink yes, the water. That would be a great <laughs> idea. How lovely that would be. Interesting. Definitely a good idea. If I had a bathtub, I would try it. I do have a bathtub, but I shan't try it. <laughs> Mostly yeah. because I can't bear to waste that much tea. Yeah. If someone does have a bathtub and wants to try it, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Send us a message if you end up having a tea bath. Mm. Well, that was lovely. Lovely. Big and that fan. concludes our four-course meal. <laughs> our four-course meal. What, what, what would be your winner for the day, Hayden? Gosh. I have no idea. What would yours be, Michael? No points for guessing what mine will be. Oh, yeah. La Rosa, of course. La Rosa. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I actually... I'm going to say relax. Yep. Relax the relax is delicious. I just... Relax <laughs> I just uh, don't... I, I I really thought it was going to be the oolong, obviously, but because it's so pepperminty, just like no, but I want more oolong. So, <laughs> out of petty spite, I I like relax better. Well, that brings us to the end of our saga with teas.com.au. Big thanks to the team there and to uh, Diana who helped us out. Um, they were really amazing, and it's been so great to try all of these incredible teas. I definitely want to get my hands on more. Yes, me too. Hint, hint, if you're listening. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, yeah, and it also brings us to the end of our season. Our That's first right. season. So our first season all wrapped up, which is very exciting. Thank you all for tuning in and for listening and sending us your comments and your thoughts and, and everything else as well. It's been 
lovely to hear from you and lovely to share these stories and all this history with you. We'll be coming back for season two on October 1st, so you don't have to wait too long. Just keep your eyes out. Make sure that you're following or subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or however else you're sourcing your podcasts. Make sure that you follow and subscribe so that you know when season two goes live, but that'll be on the 1st of October. Yeah, so not too long. We just... We couldn't stay away from you that long. (laughs) Um, No, that's right. But we're just going to take some time to recoup, rewind and, you know, calibrate and and find some new amazing content for season two. Drink some more tea. (laughs) Well, also that, yes. You have a lot to drink. We've got to get, I was going to say, we've got to get through all of this, all of this stuff that we've been sent. So, as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Michael Mandelios. And you can find me at Hayden Rogers on Instagram and Twitter also. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Steeping Podcast. And you can email us at steepingpodcast at gmail.com if you'd prefer to do it that way. And of course, head to patreon.com slash that's not canon if you want to support the That's Not Canon Productions Network, of which we are very proud members. And they have about 60 or almost 70, I think now, amazing podcasts, including our amazing podcast. Yes, adding new podcasts all of the time. Uh, So get behind it. Is that everything? I think so. Keep this in. Keep this in the show. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you in October. We love you. See you then. T infinity and beyond. <gasps> Michael, you made me so happy today. Oh, Lord. While You Were Steeping is a That's Not Canon Productions podcast. For more information, head to that'snotcanon.com. Canon with one N. Hi everybody, this is Vanessa and this is Asabi and together we are Wine and Sympathy. Wine and Sympathy is a fortnightly conversational podcast based in Brisbane where we talk to local people from everywhere about all the great things that they are doing and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So check us out, Wine and Sympathy, brought to you by That's Not Canon Productions. Gollum has an unhealthy obsession about some bit of jewellery. Doesn't he know this is what the precious is? Stupid therapist. Cookie Monster's a bit of a stress eater. Cookie, cookie, cookie! And homicidal robots really just want their best friend back. I know I did and said things that she regrets, but why is that my problem? But what all these monsters really need is therapy. The podcast Therapy for Monsters finally puts monsters in a therapy chair with a real therapist, me. 
Tim, your friendly neighborhood therapist. If you'd like to learn a bit and laugh a bit, check out Therapy for Monsters on your favorite podcast app. Uh, that's not kind of productions podcast.